You're listening to audio from The Village Church, a community that's formed by the gospel and sent on God's mission, gathering weekly in the heart of downtown Hamilton, Ohio. For more information about The Village or to connect with us, you can find us online at myvillagechurch.com. Good morning, church. My name is Kelly O'Donohoe. I lead women's discipleship here, and I have the privilege of reading our focal passage this morning, which is the last chapter of Hosea, chapter 14, verses 1 through 9. Follow along with me on the screens or in your Bibles. Return, O Israel, to the Lord your God, for you have stumbled because of your iniquity. Take with you words and return to the Lord. Say to him, take away all iniquity, accept what is good, and we will pay with bulls the vows of our lips. Assyria shall not save us, we will not ride on horses, and we will say no more, our God, to the work of our hands. In you the orphan finds mercy. I will heal their apostasy, I will love them freely, for my anger has turned from them. I will be like the dew to Israel, he shall blossom like the lily, he shall take root like the trees of Lebanon. His shoots shall spread out, his beauty shall be like the olive, and his fragrance like Lebanon." They shall return and dwell beneath my shadow. They shall flourish like the grain. They shall blossom like the vine. Their fame shall be like the wine of Lebanon. O Ephraim, what have I to do with idols? It is I who answer and look after you. I am like an evergreen cypress. From me comes your fruit. Whoever is wise, let him understand these things. Whoever is discerning, let him know them. For the ways of the Lord are right, and the upright walk in them. But transgressors stumble in them. This is the word of the Lord. You can have a seat, and the kids can now be dismissed to their class. Today, we finish up Hosea, and to kind of commemorate that, we're having the FIFA World Cup of soccer beginning today. In just a few minutes, we'll put it on the screens while I'm preaching in about 10 minutes. Just kidding. It'll be on this screen. I'll be watching up here. I know you don't care about soccer. I get it. It's fine. Whatever. I got you, Mike. I know. I know you. Would you pray with me? How about we do that? God, thanks for the privilege of just reading and sitting under your word and being shaped by it, by your spirit, being conformed to the image of Jesus, by your work, through just these normal things of praying and singing and gathering together and hearing your word and responding to your word. Would you show us today, after a long journey through This minor prophet, Hosea, would you show us today that in the face of judgment, in the face of just judgment, we we still, we just get to turn and receive and, and be restored to the Lord of mercy today. Would you just, would you stir our hearts to respond to just that simple truth that no matter where we are, no matter where we've been, no matter what we brought into this place today, All we have to do is turn to you and receive mercy because of the complete, finished work of Jesus on our behalf. God, what a gift. Would you open our eyes? Would you open our hearts? Would you open our hands today that we might live lives devoted to you for our joy and for your glory in Jesus' name? Amen. Newton's first law of motion, the law of inertia, if you will, an object at rest stays at rest, and an object in motion stays in motion with the same speed and in the same direction unless acted upon by an unbalanced force. 
That's pretty significant day to day. But I know this isn't science class. And you might be saying, well, that's a weird opening. What does that have to do with my relationship with the Lord or why we're gathered here today? And it has everything to do with trajectory. Whether you know it or not, you, you're going in a direction. There is a trajectory. And, and, and what Newton tells us and what those laws of physics tell us is if you follow the path, you will find the destination. You will find where you're going if you just follow the path because things just keep going or they just keep not going unless there's a force pushing them, moving them in another direction. Now, that's, that's really great or that's really not great. We're, we're either going towards the Lord, we're going towards him, or we're going away from him. And if we do the same thing that we've always done, then, then that might not change. We have to understand what is at play in our relationship with him. For those that are walking near to the Lord, and look, I, I know that week after week, I tell us that we're all sinners and, and wretches and, and pathetic apart from the grace given to us. And the reality is that is completely true. And I will continue to tell us that, but the beauty is that we are conformed over time to the image of Jesus. And that the Spirit is surely at work in this community, surely at work in your life. So it doesn't mean that we just get to be living in despair and I'm, I'm this terrible thing, but, but God is at work in us. And because he's at work in us, we get to be mindful. And so I know that there are some of you that, that uh, as, as we've walked through Hosea, like, man, I know that some of you are, are walking near to the Lord. And you're an encouragement to me. I know that some of you are, are walking with. And, and so for those that are near to God and walking with him and, and receiving his love, moment by moment, day by day, and, and reflecting that love, man, that is, that is great. That is fantastic. That's what it looks like to be a balanced disciple, to know who you are because of who he makes you to be and to live out of that identity. That, that's the aim. That's what we get to do, that we get to be conformed to the image of Jesus. So if your relationship... And the way that you spend your time and your resources and the rhythms of your life build you up to grow in him. Or as, as Peter says, to grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus. And you're living your life devoted to learning about this God of the universe and who he is to us and who we are because of him. And if your life is, is built upon him Above all else, man, that is sweet. And if that's serving the sweetness of your relationship with him, that is fantastic. We get to be mindful of what has gotten us to that place, of, of what you're doing to be in a position to have an intimate relationship with, with Jesus, to be walking with him in, in faithfulness. And we also get to know that there are forces opposing that. That, that while we are aiming towards him and we're doing the things and, and we're walking with him, if we're not diligent and vigilant to, to maintain that course, that, that we have an enemy that's pushing us away, that's pulling us away. We get to be mindful of that. But if that's not you, then something must change. If you are far from the Lord and you're drifting farther, some form of change has to happen to change the trajectory of your path. 
Something has to happen. Some energy, some work, some effort, some, some attitude must contend against the inertia that just keeps us moving in the direction away from the Lord. The, the things that, that, that push us to him or away from him, we, we have to be mindful of those things. So as we close up Hosea chapter 14, a long journey together. I, I hope it's been sweet. I think it's been sweet. It's been tough at times. But this conclusion in Hosea, it meets us all no matter where we are, no matter what we brought into this place with a simple call. After so much talk of, of our heart's rebellion and after so much emphasis on the judgment from the Lord against the rebel, this, this last nine verses serves God's people as one last plea to, to persuade. And it's a really simple plea. Return to the Lord your God. That's what the invitation for us is today. Return to the Lord your God. So, so main idea in the face of just judgment, turn receive and be restored to the Lord of mercy. No matter, no matter where you are, no matter if you never stepped foot in this place or in the assembled church like this, no matter if you've been in here for, for the last 13 years or you've sat in church gatherings like this for the last 50 years, it doesn't matter. This is the invitation in the face of just judgment that, that is coming our way. What we get to do is we get to turn and receive and be restored to the Lord of mercy. So there's kind of three things that, that we'll learn from Hosea today. And the first one is just really simple. Turn back to God. One thing that I'm learning as a 40-year-old man is, uh, is I don't have to overcomplicate things. And I certainly don't have to overcomplicate my walk with Jesus. I read something this week about prayer. Now, I've heard a million things about prayer, and, and there's acrostics, and the P reminds us to petition, and the R, repent, you know, all these things. That's great. Do that, right? Uh, well, well, who do I pray to, the Father or the Son or the Spirit? Like, oh, that's a really great question. Like, well, the prayers of Jesus, they shape, they look like this, and they start here. Like, all those things are great, right? But this is what I read. One rule of prayer is this. Show up and show up often. And when I read that, I was just like, why do I make things so difficult? <laughs> like, like, we get to engage and we get to understand how the Bible shapes our prayers and we get to know who we're praying to and, and, and why we can pray the way that we can. We get to have a theology of prayer. We get to make prayer lists. We get to do all those things, but, but none of that matters if you don't show up and if you don't show up often. So for me, it's like, uh, that's just one simple way. And so when I think of like, what does it mean to turn back to the Lord? And like, oh, I have to make sure that I get all the things right. And, and is my repentance the right, is my heart in the right, am I sitting in the right way? And, and I, I mess things up. Like, will the Lord, and it's just, just turn, just turn back to him. Just do something different. If you're, if you're spiraling away from him, do something different 
to change the way that you're interacting with the Lord. We have a dishwasher at home, and it's, no, it's not these two hands, right? It's a, I mean, sometimes, but it's like a, a you know, you put the stuff in, and you push the buttons, and it does the things, and get the things out, and, and so a while back, I was emptying, and I found a spoon that was not quite fit to be removed from the dishwasher, even after the cycle, to go into the drawer, and so you know what I did? I put it back in the dishwasher. And I was like, yeah, maybe the angle wasn't right. You know, like, I don't know how the jets work in there, but this is bound to happen. There's like a little bit of stuff. It's nothing significant, but like you wouldn't want to use it to eat, right? And so I, I put it back in there. And the next time I go and I empty the dishwasher and, you know, the forks are separate with the forks. The spoons are separate with the spoons. It just, it's quicker. And you say, well, I don't have time for that. And I say, you don't have time not for that. That's what I say. So you grab all the forks and, you know, and you're just like examining and like, oh, it's whatever. And like, hey, there, oh, there's that spoon again. I remember the spoon. And you know what I did? I, I put it back in the dishwasher. <laughs> and I kid you not, this is not a joke. I've been doing that for six months. <laughs> Today, if you were to go home and look in, the, the spoon is right there. I know it is, and I forget, and I'm like, doo, doo, doo. I'm like, oh, this one's not, oh, there, there it is again, that spoon. At this point, I, I laugh, but what isn't funny is the path for those who rebel against the Lord, and, and if you have found more connection in our journey through Hosea, if you found more connection to Hosea's rebuke, and judgment from the Lord than you'd like to admit, and you haven't done anything differently because of it, then you shouldn't expect different results. If your spiritual life is, is a spoon in my dishwasher, then you shouldn't expect that spoon to be clean today, even though I did run the dishwasher last night. It seems... More of the same as we look at, we are getting to the Bible, I promise, as we look at, at Israel, and, and here we see Hosea pleading with them to turn to God, like do something different than what you've been doing, and this is what it sounds like. Chapter 14, verse 1, return, O Israel, to the Lord your God, for you have stumbled because of your iniquity. Like that's just... I get that some of these things are, you have to get the context and like, it's really, but, but at face value, return the people of God to the Lord because you, you, you have stumbled because of your sin. You're stumbling because of your sin. So, so do something different and turn back to him. Take with you words and return to the Lord. Say to him, quote, take away all iniquity except what is good. So he's saying, do this. Say to the Lord, God, take away my sin and the things that are not of you. It's just so simple. And, and it goes on, and, and we will pay with bulls. Sacrifice, the temple, blood sacrifice to cover sin. We will pay with bulls the vows of our lips, the vow that they made to walk with the Lord and the vow that they have broken walking away from him. Assyria, the dominant power that's coming in and is going to take them over, he shall not, Assyria 
shall not save us. We will not ride on horses, and we will say no more, our God, to the work of our hands. Man, that's, that's what he's calling them to do. Here's the call to return, to, to repent. This means to turn or to change and believe. This is the same for them as it is for us. It looks a little different. We're under the new covenant, not the covenant of the law. There are no more bulls that we get to sacrifice, but we get to remember that Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice on our behalf. So we get to turn to him and say, he's the reason that our vow, although we broke it, meant that we can be back together again. It's not the king. It's not the, the horses. It's not the military. It's not the army. It's not our defense systems. It's not the work of our hands. It's none of those things, but it is because of the sacrifice on our behalf that we get to be restored back together, turned back to God. And you might say, well, well, well how and what? How do I do that? What, what does that even look like? I read this week, and, and I just threw it in the sermon like along the way, and I don't even know where I read it, but it said, repentance is an invitation to become more like the one we love. That, that's the invitation. <sighs> to turn towards him and to be more like him. And so just real quick, I want to throw three things up here. What does it mean to turn back to God? How do I do that? How do I repent and believe? Well, we'll turn. Again, you're going in a direction, whether you're mindful of it or not. And so you get to look around and you say, hey, I'm going the wrong way. I need to change. I'm going this way, but there's the Lord. So, so turn around. Turn, change direction. And then, based on what the call here in Hosea is, we get to confess. And we get to say, I'm, I'm a sinner. And, and no matter how bad or numb or distant, because Christ has received the justice and the judgment on my behalf, there's no wrath left for me. Do you know, dear Christian, that that is your relationship with the Lord. Because you are a Christian, which means your life is built on the work of Jesus, it's, the, it's that simple. There's no wrath left for you. So I get to, because of that, confess freely that I am a sinner and I need your mercy. And I don't have to blame and I don't have to pretend, and I don't have to cover up. I don't have to say, God, thank you that I'm not as bad as the guy next to me because he's terrible, and I'm like only like, you know, like, we're okay. We don't have to say that. We can just be just, just dead honest before him. I'm a sinner in need of your mercy. Take my sin, and we get to name it, just like Jose is encouraging them to do. They put their hands, their life, in the hands of Assyria, of horses, of the king, of the works of their hands, of idols that they have made of, of, of gold and silver. And they said, we will worship you. And, and here they're turning and saying, no, we will not do that. That's the call. And we get to commit. You have no other gods before me. It's no other gods outside in the world, not inside by the work of my hands or my deeds. I am, I am yours. And for, for many of you, maybe you get this stuff and you've been kind of struggling with this. And, and it's, it's just so simple today to say, God, I'm yours. 
And I, I want nothing to do with any other God that would, that would captivate and capture my heart like you. Like this week, I, I may hand wash that spoon. I know that's what it needs. Maybe soak it, put some stuff in there. Like let, let the stuff do the hard work, right? It'll take a little effort, but the biggest thing is that it will take different effort than it's taken to this point. The battle against sin is, is spiritual. It is. It's, it's against principalities and rulers of darkness, sin inside and, and outside, blindness, light and dark, but, but it's also practical. It, it is absolutely supernatural. It is the work of God and the work of the Spirit in us to overcome sin, but, but the rubber meets the road in the day-to-day -day patterns of our life, and, and the way that we live our life both reveals our worship, so we get to reflect and we get to say, gosh, what is he talking about? I'm going in a direction, and you get to look at your life, and you get to say, morning, lunch, afternoon, evening, night, what am I worshiping? a revealer and then then those those same things those patterns day to day what we do with our time what we do with our energy what we do with our thoughts they, they also dictate our worship we do get some control in those things and that's why the call for for us in scripture is to take every thought captive under christ we get to acknowledge it we get to see where our heart strays and we can say, no, 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 no. I, I'm, no, I, I'm not believing that. I'm not doing that. I'm not walking in that. I want to take that thought and I want to slay it by the work of a crucified Savior. It's gone, right? And he took our sin and, and what did he do with them? He buried them. It's not a small deal. It's a big deal. So if you're drifting from God or, or the patterns of your life are keeping you from him, try something new. And, and, and if all you do is, is, is look at your phone and, and have like the, the, like the TikTok gaze in your eyeballs, like, like you get a look and say, man, look, look at your phone. Like look at the habits of your phone and just say, okay, how much time do I? And some of you are like, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> all right, everybody just bring your phones up here. We'll just look right now. I'm not, <laughs> you, you know, it knows. Just, you should just look sometime. Just see, just see what it says about you. And so, like, if, if that's all you do, and maybe you, you just play games all day, or, or you drink with your buddies every chance you get, or, or you hit refresh on the, the stock market feed, or you dream of a, of a home makeover, or a personal makeover, or, or, or you just rest in the relationship that you had with God when you were young, and it's been years since you've actually done something different to cultivate, to stir your heart, to walk with him, or you, you do the minimum and you just assume that your heart will follow. Try something different. Like go outside and look around. Put yourself in places that make you feel small. Identify a place and a time and say, you know what, I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know what it looks like to open this book and to let it shape me like, like he talks about every single week. But you know what, I'm going to do it. And I want to do it often. I don't know what it looks like to have a vibrant prayer life, but you know what? I'm going to show up, and I want to show up often. I want to let him teach me what it looks like to walk with him. 
to hear him, to listen to him, to grow in him. I want to be around people that do that better than me. The people that I see across the room, the people that I interact with, and I hear them talking about this relationship with Jesus that actually gives them life, you should go out for coffee with those. And and my guess is they might even buy your coffee. James says in, in James chapter four, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And that's the invitation. The second thing is, is receive the mercy of God. We read in, in the last part of verse three, in the orphan finds, uh, in you the orphan finds mercy. In you the orphan finds mercy. And, and this is the same guy, Hosea. And it's the same God through his prophet Hosea that, that has been telling us of the dreadful impending destruction that's coming. That, that week after week, that chapter after chapter, that verse after verse, minus a couple little glimmers of like, hey, that sounded hopeful or positive. It's just been judgment upon judgment. It's the same one that's been saying it's over, the end is near, and what we find is, is that forgiveness is available, that there is a home to the homeless that's open, that there's a family to the lonely. That is the invitation, that, that the offer is a father to the orphan. A seat at the family meal is what God, the infinite creator of the universe, is inviting his people into. In just a few minutes, we'll take communion. No, this isn't the end of the sermon. Sorry. In a few minutes, we will take communion. And and what communion is, is a, a visible reminder and a bold declaration that in Christ, we are welcome. And in Christ, we are one. That's, that's the invitation. Jesus said, do this as often as you do. Share this meal, this, this bread and this cup in remembrance of me, that my body was broken, that my blood was spilled. Communion is, is a visible reminder to us and to others in the gathered community. It's a bold declaration that in Christ, we are welcome to the table. To, we are welcome to have a family meal. And this is the family. And in Christ we are one, unified to him by his work, applied to our account by faith alone. For all we make it out to be, the, this idea is, is some of the most core offering in Christ that you are outside, you who are outside are welcomed in. That's the invitation. That you who are outside, everyone, by your contribution, By your sin, you are outside the family of God. You are invited in, and the author of life is inviting you to be his child. And this reminds us of a uh, theologically rooted but relationally driven part of our relationship with God. And his name tells the story. We call him Father. We do that because we're his children. That's what he told us to call him, dad. And I know some of you are like, oh, gosh, that's not what, my experience with dad isn't so warm, right? And, and we know that things are broken and this world is broken. And the invitation is this, this, this beautiful relationship 
that we call the God of the universe Father because, because we're his children. And we read in Ephesians that he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. A lot in there. Rich. Stuff to process and sort through. What you mean, are you telling me that, like, what is that? But the, but the point is, before the foundations of the world, God knew that you would be his, and he began to do the work to draw you near. It's not because you're great. It's because of Jesus and because Jesus is great. And he does all that he does according to the purpose of his will. Our hope to be his, it hinges on the fitness of Jesus to be his son. What unites us to Jesus, it's our belief that he did what we could never do. That he walked in righteousness, that he pleased the Father, that he died for our sin, that, that he buried our sin, that he, that he rose to life defeating sin and death and, and he paid its wages in full. So we get to walk in, in this relationship as, as debt-free sons of the king, daughters of the king. We are his because he loves us. He doesn't love us because we are his. And I mixed that up for a long time in the early parts of my relationship with God. We are his because he loves us. He doesn't love us because we are his. It's not anything that we do. He invites us in. It's not a matter of us being anything or doing anything, but of God opening his love and his home to us according to the measure of mercy and his own plans and purposes before the foundation of the world. And, and when we get that, when we get invited in, we become his. When we are his, our mission changes. We're no longer striving for anything. We're no longer striving to be loved or embraced or welcomed or to find a people that are our own. We're no longer striving to be a part of something. We're no longer striving to be accepted by God. We don't have to do that or, or anyone else for that matter. When, when we find ourselves there, our mission changes so that we then invite others into the same family through Christ alone. Like our changed hearts lead to changed action. And because we've been invited in, we get to, we get to invite others in. And that, that, that doesn't, here's the thing. James says in, in chapter one, he says, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God. Like what is it? Like the core, what's the essence? What are we doing? Is this to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep one's self unstained from the world. So what the, the whole book of James is like, you've been transformed so, so live differently. And so he shows us if, if we've been adopted, we're sons of the king because of his work then what we get to do is, is we get to care for those. We get to reflect his love to us in the way that we interact with this broken world around us. So, for example, a couple things. One, monthly, there's a group of people, young lives, ministry to teen moms, they meet in this space. And, and at times throughout the year, we do some things. And I know there are groups and people that serve meals and, and to, that, that come alongside them. There are mentors that walk with them. And there's always space for that. If you're like, wow, I, I had no idea. Like, like that, that is a ministry that is doing, that's doing this work. And, and we talked last week, we heard from David 
Craig Clow talked about Pathway to Hope, which is a block from here. And they do work to walk with people in difficult and vulnerable situations. And so, you know, for us, even this week, I think it's in the weekly that we can bring stuff in. Normal toiletries and, and uh, Craig Clow put a list on Realm. That's, that's one simple way for us to do these things. Because we've been adopted, because we've been welcomed in, we get to care for those around us in the community around us. And you don't have to do those things. There's a, a thousand other ways. The beauty in this, this truth in you, the orphan finds rest, is that there's no limit to the love to go around. And, and here's the thing. Many of you have adopted. Many of you are adopted. And I know many who have uh, adopted from literal orphanages. And I've seen, I've seen Stuart Little, right? If you've ever seen that little mouse, he gets adopted by a family. Like, it's real cute, right? Michael J. Fox, it's, it's a pretty good one, right? Um, but in real life, like in those situations, uh, choosing to bring one home means that, that you're not choosing to bring another home. But, but in the kingdom, his table's huge, it's, he has unlimited resources. He has no limits. In my father's house, there are many rooms. Many, many, many rooms. Not many rooms, many rooms. They, I don't know, they might be many. Well, there is mystery in the ways of God and, and salvation and, 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 and all kinds of stuff. How does all this play together? What's crystal clear is that, that God calls his own to himself. And, and we who are his get to go and extend the invitation to others. I want to share two stories real quick. See, God, God calls and he equips and he builds and he sends. And, and, he, and he sends to go call and build and, and equip and send to plant churches who call, equip, and build and send. And, and this church, the village church, exists with the same call. That, that we get to go and we get to call and equip and build and send. And, and we, get to, we get to do that mission on repeat. And look, we might get to do that. And, and God might cause us to grow. And, and, and we want to do some things around here or wherever we are to, to fill this space and to make room for neighbors and all those things. But, but we might grow and, and send. And we might go somewhere else or we might grow and stay in this basement. But I want you to know your contribution to the kingdom beyond this basement Beyond this city, beyond this county, I'll give you two quick stories. One, I was in Denver at the Acts 29 U.S. conference uh, last month, and, and it was between a session, and this guy comes up to me, and he says, uh, Pastor, I just want to tell you how thankful I am and for, the ministry, for, for your ministry and the ministry of your church You've just been a, a blessing to me. And I was like, oh, okay. Uh, and I think he said, like, I'm from Zambia. And I was like, oh, okay. And, and I'm thinking, he's thinking of another, the village church, with another pastor whose name starts with the letter M, right? And I'm like, oh, okay. So, like, but, yeah, my name is Michael. And he was like, Pastor Graham. And I was like, what? what? So he's like, uh, apparently, we were in the same room together in 2018, at some conference in Orlando, and since then, we have been shaping his church in Zambia. 
And, and, and Mark Davis, like, thought, oh, throw some cameras up and whatever, live stream. And, but, but we have been a part, and I got to talk to him this week, and I could literally talk to you for the next hour just about how encouraging it was and heartbreaking it was. <clears throat> His name is, is Blessings, right? Uh, I told him we'd pray for him. So if, if you would, just can we just pray for him right now? God, thanks for blessings. What a gift. What a cool thing that you do. That you show us that you're at work and that the mission never ends. And we do what we do and you do what you do. Thank you that you were able to encourage me and even us. I pray for, for blessings right now in, in Zambia and, and the, the obstacles that they're dealing with and, and the lack of fresh water and, and the fact that they can't baptize the eight people who have come to know you because they don't have a place with clean water that doesn't have alligators in it. God. Would you, would you show us the scope of your work? Thanks for my bro and his family, his family who had malaria last month. Thank you that, that apart from some contextual things, our work and his work is not different at all. <laughs> it's it's that, you, that you call and you equip and you build and you send. What a gift in Jesus' name. Another story, a guy... I talked to, to another church planter who's trying to connect with Acts 29, and he, he's been in Honduras for seven years, and he moved to Thailand last year to, to plant a church. He knows no, no one in Thailand. He doesn't know Thai, the language. For six hours a day, he and his family, they study the language. Step one, spend two years learning how to speak Thai and live here. He tells me of a story. We're on a video call last week. And he said, I'm with this other pastor from another community. We go to this area and we see, uh, we're, we're just kind of scoping things out. Like what, what, what can we do? What, what would ministry look like here a year from now, 18 months from now, 24 months from now, when we're kind of acclimated a little bit? And he said, we're walking around, we're saying, oh man, there's this flat land, like the city officials said we could build a soccer field there, like that could be really cool, that's like really important part of ministry. And this woman comes up, walking down the hill, and she's, she, she's like ecstatic, and she doesn't know them at all, and she says, are, are you two followers of Jesus? And they're like, uh, yeah. And she said, I've been praying for you. And they're like, oh, she said, I'm the only Christian in this village, and I've been the only Christian in this village for 10 years. The only one. She said, someone from some other community came, and they preached the gospel, and I responded to it 10 years ago, and I'm the only one. I've been the only Christian in this village for 10 years. I've been praying for you, and, and you're here, she said, I know how to strategically reach these people. I know how to get them to understand and know that they have access to the God of the universe, that Jesus loves them and wants to forgive them and invite them into his kingdom. But I can't do it by myself. I need you. I'm in. Are you in? (laughs) 
The Lord is surely at work. His mercy runs deep. We get to be a part of that as recipients. We get to be a part of that as, as, as givers. And, and these are two examples, and there are hundred, a few hundred in this building right now. Maybe today is the day that you receive mercy from God for the first time. You say, God, I, I just want that. I want to drink from the well that never runs dry. And what your word says is that's you. Would you show me what that means? Would you give me the life? Would you give me the fullness of life? Would you turn my life around? And maybe today is the day that you offer that to someone else. And we get to offer them the, the opportunity to turn and confess and commit and receive the mercies of God. The last thing is this. We get to be restored to God. Before we look at what God is restoring to those who repent and, and kind of the, the context of Israel here at the, the very end of this, we, we get to consider what we need to be restored back to and restored from. And Kim and I uh, sat down on the couch a couple weeks ago and we were like trying to watch one thing or another and there was this movie and it was like a love story and it was fine and we watched it. And, and it, it was like 15 minutes in, 20 minutes in, 30, we're like, this, this is, is this, is this the story of Hosea? Because it kind of sounds like it is. Like, and, and then the guy's like, hey, my name is Michael Hosea. And we're like, wait a minute. Like, what is happening here? I didn't know this was a thing. It's a thing. And it's a movie. And I don't know what it's called. But anyway, anybody? Something about love. I know that. Redeeming love? Does that sound familiar? So anyway, uh, in, in the story, Michael Hosea is a young man. He's a farmer. He's a hardworking guy, whatever. He's pursuing a woman who is in a essentially like a, a sex house. And she is there held against her will and, 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 and he buys time with her, but not to do whatever. He just says, I, I want to I marry you. I want to take you away from this place. And she's like, you are a fool. Why would you want me? And he's like, time's up. Comes back again next week. Hey, uh, I wanna, do you want to be here? Because I want to take you out of this place. I want to marry you. I want to make you my wife. I want to love you all the days of our life. She says, you're a fool. And eventually things happen, whatever, and spoiler, like, okay, so she goes, and they get married, and, and like, things just end that way, and it's, happen it's not happy. She leaves. She goes back on her own. She's going to start, like, a different life, but she ends up doing the same thing with the same people, the same, you know, rulers over her life. And he goes back, and there's, like, fists are drawn, and he, like, takes her back. And you're like, oh, man, it's over, and that's how it ends. It doesn't end because she leaves again. And so for me, it, it has nothing to do with actual Hosea. It's just like the love story and kind of demonstrating the love that God is inviting us into. But the takeaway for me was, was the reasons why people run from God, the reasons why people run from love. And just real quickly, why do they do it? Some are just rebels. Some are just prideful. Some just think that, that we know best. Some of us just run away because we don't want somebody, God, or anyone else telling us what to do. And some are deceived. You think that the fullness of life happens in, in, in some other way, the work of your hands or, or a ruling king on the earth or anything like that. You're just deceived. And you miss it. And some are apathetic. You just don't care. You don't think about your life. You don't think about the fullness of life. You don't think about the despair of life. You just float along, hoping that that's good enough. And some are hurting. 
This was like a really good revelation for me. Some are hurting and they can't grasp the love of God to his divine, in, in his divine pursuit for them. And so they would say, maybe you would say, like, I'm just not worthy of that type of love. Like, I don't deserve that type of love. And maybe it's because of things that have happened to you. And maybe it's because of things that have happened through you. And you may have thought that there's no hope for you wherever you find yourself on that list. And can I tell you today that, that there is hope for you? And I'll summarize kind of the last uh, few verses here, but this is what, I think this is on a slide, Andy, the next, yeah. So, so this, is what, this is what the last few verses of this book says. It says that, that the Lord will, this is what he will do. He will heal your wayward heart and he will freely love you and he will turn away his anger that he's been promising all this time he will turn away his anger and he will bring water and life where there is drought in your life. And because he's willing to do that, we will, this is, what, this is the call, this is the invitation, bloom like lilies. We will establish deep roots like the tallest trees. We will multiply and we will grow wide. Your scent will, will fill the air. You will return home and dwell in the shadow of God. You will flourish like sprawling vines. Everyone will know that God is at work in you. Man, that, that's the offer. That's the offer on the table. And, and the way he closes it out is, is this. The bank can come on up. Whoever is wise, let him understand these things. Whoever is discerning, let him know them. For the ways of the Lord are right, and the upright walk in them, but transgressors stumble in them. Man, in the face of just judgment, the invitation is real simple. Turn and receive and be restored to the Lord of mercy. Don't overcomplicate it. Just turn towards him. We're going to stand up and sit right where you are, right? You can pray. You can sing. You can go over there to that prayer bench if you just want some time alone. If you want to pray with someone, you can go back to that red tree or my wife and I will be back down this aisle. We would love to pray with you about, about anything that you want to pray, anything that you want the Lord to bear in your life. And maybe it's today you want to receive mercy. Maybe today you want to turn back. And maybe it's today you're, you're not well and you want him to restore you. Whatever it is, we would love to petition the Lord on your behalf alongside you. And for those who are in Christ, for those who are his, we get to remember his work. We get to remember what he has done. We get to receive his body and his blood spilled for us. And we do that by taking the bread and the cup as reminders of what he has done for us. We get to reflect and repent and respond as the band starts to sing. Would you pray with me? God, thanks for your grace and your justice that it's perfect that those who reject you will, will receive your judgment. But those who receive you, those who just turn to Jesus and say, Jesus, it's you that I want. We get to receive the mercy of God, the fullness of life, life eternal, you and your people forever. In Jesus' name.